Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. This episode is brought to you by Set GK Goalkeeper Gloves. Gloves by the pros, for the pros. With five different models to choose from, they guarantee you'll find the feel and fit you're looking for. Use promo code JUSTFORKEEPS at checkout and receive 25% off your order. Set GK. It all starts with your set. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Just For Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I am your host, Carter Hockman. And joining me this week is current AC Olu goalkeeper in Finland, Jan Filion. Thanks for joining me, Jan. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So... Let's get right into it. The first question I always ask on the podcast is, what made you want to become a goalkeeper? What drew you into playing the position? Um, it's actually a pretty funny story. Uh, well, funny. I mean, I was about nine years old, and, you know, no one kind of wanted to go and goal. Um, and the coach, you know, he asked, he's like, hey, does anyone want to go and goal? Like, we have a game. Um, and I, I'm a generous guy. Uh, and I was like, yeah, like, no one's putting their hands up. So I was like, you know, kind of put my hand up. Uh, in a shy, shy way. And yeah, it was just, that was the first time in the first couple of years, just kind of played in and out, you know, um, I played as a center back as well. And, and yeah, kind of just grew into it and then started loving it. You know, I, I love having all that pressure on me. It was like, kind of, you can't really win a game at that point at least, but you can lose a game. Um, and then, yeah, once you start getting better at it and, you know, people kind of praise you, um, I'd say that's that's basically the whole story why why I decided to stay uh, in goal. So yeah, that that was it. Was there a moment for you? Like for me, I remember a specific moment as a kid, as a really young kid, like diving on the ball and having kids fall all over me, and it was like, wow, that didn't hurt, and it felt I felt like a superhero. Was there was there a save for you where like it felt good, and you're like, all right, I definitely want to stick with this. Yeah, now that you're mentioning it, actually, I haven't thought of that in a really long time, but. Um... It was a, a PK save. I must have been 10 at the time. This may have been like the second year. And, you know, I had maybe played a handful of games by that time. Um, so a uh, penalty to my left side kind of flew. You know, my technique was kind of all wrong. Just like dove onto my stomach, kept the ball out. And I remember after the game, the parents came to me and they were like, oh, like what a save, you know. And I, I felt so proud in that moment. Um, so, yeah, that definitely played, played a part in, in me staying in the goal, definitely. It's such a good feeling having having parents come up to you after the game. You're like, "Oh, me? Do you want you want me to sign it for you?" Or yeah, it is, especially when you're a young you're a young kid. You know, like you're you're not necessarily going out there looking for praise, but when you get it, it, it always feels good. You know. Um, what What were some of your bigger soccer influences growing up in Ontario, Canada? I mean, aside from the current status of the Canadians, uh, the Canadian men's national team crushing it in World Cup qualifying. Yeah. And, and there being a few, you know, MLS franchises in the country. I know very little about the soccer culture there. So what were, yeah, like what it, initially, what were some of your, your bigger influences growing up in, in Canada? You know what? We didn't really have a pro team, at least not in my hometown until, uh, until I was already gone, basically, or, or about to leave. Um, but we had at the time the Fury, the Ottawa Fury that was playing in the, in the PDL. Um, so I remember when I was, yeah, probably around that age, like 10 to 12, we'd go to games and these were like kind of like the big guys, you know, the guys you were looking up to. And I remember being the ball boy and 
and all that kind of stuff. And actually, there was Montreal at the time um, that were in the A, old A League, I believe, which became USL. Um, and they they were like the closest professional team. Um, so I followed them quite a bit. We had, you know, my, my family were French speaking. Um, so all our families from Montreal and then whatnot. So I remember the games being, I think on the t at the time it was on the TVA, which is like a French channel. And me and my dad would watch it, if, if I'm correct. I think they used to play on like Friday nights. So we'd watch that. And actually growing up, I got to meet a lot of the, a lot of the, the old Impact guys um, because they, they ended up uh, being coaches uh, in the academy in Montreal. Um, so I say that that was pretty much that. But there was no, not really, you know, any... I think it really it really developed in the last five to seven years uh, soccer in Canada. Um, before that, you know, Toronto FC I think joined MLS in 2007. Um, so nothing nothing really crazy, you know, when I was young uh, around here. Like it, there was not really much of a soccer culture, if I'm honest. Um, so I, yeah, I can't say any anyone in particular, but I, I'd say probably the Fury was like my first, you know the first times I really opened my eyes and I was like, oh man, you know, like the Fury, like these guys are big players and, and whatever, yeah. Did you have a, a professional goalkeeper that you looked up to or tried to model your play after as a kid? Yeah, uh, I think no Neuer was probably the first one. Um, you know, around like the 2006 World Cup was probably the first World Cup that I really watched. Um, I believe he was part of that. Um, and then... Yeah, kind of, but still to this day, he's he's definitely up there for me. Uh, I think yeah. we have kind of a similar, similar profile, like kind of big guys and and not uh, not like um, you know, I I can't compare myself uh, to like Casillas for example, because we're just not the same kind of keepers. Um, so yeah, Neuer was probably the my biggest idol, goalkeeping idol at least growing up. The 2006 World Cup was actually my first World Cup that I ever watched, too. And I'll never forget uh, Buffon's performance in the final. I always wanted to emulate that and always mm -hmm. tried. Anytime there was a shot, uh, you'll, I know you'll remember this save, but anytime there was a high shot that was creeping up to the bar, you always, I always wanted to make sure I jumped and kicked my legs up to, yeah. to be horizontal and make it for <laughs> the cameras. Was that the header from Zidane, I think? That was, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a save that was. I probably watched that one a thousand, a thousand times, you know. That that World Cup will be forever historic for just that performance alone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Did you play other sports growing up? I mean, we know how seriously you Canadians take your hockey, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, hockey was obviously the first sport I, I picked up. Uh, I think I was probably two when I started skating. We had a backyard, um, like a quite a big backyard, and my dad would uh, would make a, a hockey rink uh, in there when I was growing up, so... Started playing hockey uh, and then basketball as well, um, and I had to had to stop hockey when I was maybe twelve, um, and kept playing basketball and soccer up until I was about fifteen, sixteen. Then I had to had to stop basketball and just focus on soccer. So that's pretty much the sport I felt like I was gonna have a chance to to do something with it, you know. When did you realize that you had a special talent at the goalkeeping position? What was your, what was your, oh, I, I have something here moment. Mm, good question. Um, I think, you know, every kid growing up kind of has a dream to, at least everyone playing a sports of making it pro, uh, you know, somewhere. Um, and it was tough in Canada. Like there weren't many opportunities, but I'd say when I was probably 16, 
um, I, I was starting to contemplate going to play in college and, and whatnot. And then I was like, yeah, you know, like it's, it's, it's doable. Like you play four years, try and go pro. Uh, and that's kind of what I had my eyes on. And then uh, I went to an open trial in Montreal um the academy the montreal impact at the time who's now they became the cf montreal they had the the academy i think it started two years before and there were like open trials and one of my buddies got invited uh to it so i was like ah like you know what like let me go try my chance you know see see if i can break in um and yeah next thing you know a couple rounds of, of of trials and then uh and then i ended up going there when i was uh 16 um, so that's when I was really like, you know, I actually have a shot now. Like I'm in, a, I'm in a professional setup. Um, uh, you know, I can grow within the system and possibly get to the first team. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably when I was 16, probably when I was 16. Oh, I, I mean, I guess a good follow-up is, is at what age did you get your first taste of goalkeeper specific training? I mean, when did you get your first goalkeeper coach and, and how did that change or even enhance your perspective of the position? Um, that, that was a big one. Uh, I must've been 11 or 12. Well, actually, you know what, but we had one, uh, in the first club where, when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10, but it was like kind of once a month kind of thing. And like very like basic, like 30 goalkeepers on the pitch and like, you know, like kind of rolling the ball through your legs kind of stuff and, and, and whatnot. Um, but I think the first time I actually, got signed up to like a full like goalkeeper training uh session if you want was probably around 12 years old um we had this goalkeeper coach who ended up actually becoming the the goalkeeper coach at the fury when they went into um into was it nasl um so yeah i was 12 and i think it was on sunday nights so you know i'd go there have a blast like uh you know get a good session in and then a couple years after that I I really took it to the next step and it was like kind of three times a week uh with a goalkeeper coach called uh Tanya Singfield she Singfield she she uh used to play for the women's national team like back in the days and she had a kind of a building in the in like a industrial area if you want in my city and she had like set up turf there and whatever, so we'd go like three times a week. Uh, and we were a good good group of uh, of goalkeepers actually. A couple of them ended up uh, playing in college, and and there's actually I think even one one girl playing in Italy right now. Um, so it's uh yeah, that was probably my first real taste of of goalkeeper training. You know, how did that change your perspective of of, of goalkeeping? A lot. It I mean, it changed it a lot. You know, I think it's it's so important when you find a coach that really relates to the position, and and on top of it, just the basic technique is so important uh, nowadays. You know, if if you want to make it to the next level, you need to be technically sound. Um, and then obviously the 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 work ethic side of things, as well. I think goalkeepers are are known to be hard workers, even though people still think that we're not fit. Um, but that definitely it had a big, big in, impact on my perspective of, you know, how I, how I see things from behind, how I need to communicate with my defenders, how I need to, you know, handle all, all the pressure that comes at you and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, I'd say that's pretty much it. What, what's the weirdest drill you've ever been put through? I mean, I have one in mind, but I want to hear what, you, what comes to mind for you first. Ooh, that's a good question. 
because we you, you and I both know there's some interesting uh methods that goalkeeper coaches uh have in mind. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I was quite lucky in that sense. I think I always had like if you want like North American like really like kind of new school North American goalkeeper coaches. Um obviously uh, I I've been put through the the odd session of like a you know, like tapping the bar, like going, running across, making a save, like coming back, running around the goal, making another save, like all that kind of stuff. But I can't actually point out one specific that I was like, oh, my God, this is like this is crazy or this is ridiculous, you know. But w- what about you? Actually, I'm curious. Yeah, for me, the one that came to mind was we had I had a goalkeeper coach. He used to uh, play for the Moroccan national team back in the 80s. Uh, his name is Mustafa Ashab. Uh, and he's he's well well known around the Northeast in in the United States, um, and he's he's very traditional um, in his in the way he coaches, which is great if you're just starting out. Um, and he he's I mean he's he's coached me as, as well as well at the at the PDL level, um, which is now the USL too. Um, so he's and he's 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 a great goalkeeper coach, great sessions, um insane fitness but one of the things he would always have us do especially when i first started out with him when i was 15 or 14 maybe um was he would have all the other goalkeepers there's like maybe 10 of us um build like a, a human pyramid okay and like stack on top of each other and then he would toss the ball and we would have to jump over you know laterally yeah over these over these kids and more often than not, someone would get kicked in the face because not everyone's technique was perfect enough to do that. Man, I feel like I've seen my share of uh, of uh, jumping over stuff on Instagram, you know, nowadays. It's it's interesting. I was, I mean, just get a hurdle. I mean, just just yeah, <laughs> just spend spend forty bucks, get a hurdle. Honestly, and less broken noses, black eyes. There was, I got kicked in the face so many times that day. The first day we ever did that. It was like, I'm not, I, I never, fortunately, I, you know, I'm, I was big enough at the time to where I could volunteer to be on the bottom of the pyramid. So it was most of yeah. the kids like midway, halfway up, or, or even who, the kid was at the top to get kicked in the face. Yeah. <laughs> cheeky but cheeky it, foot in the face. Eh? It was almost guaranteed. I started wearing a mouth guard the following year I was working <laughs> with them. No way. <laughs> I swear to God, it was, it was, it was necessary, but. I'm also curious just because it because it just came to mind. Mm-hmm. What's one thing a goalkeeper coach has told you that's stuck with you today? I think just be brave, man, to be honest. I had the I had a really good goalkeeper coach in Montreal. He's uh he's the I I think he's still there, the current uh, FC Cincinnati goalkeeper coach, Jack Stern. I don't know if the name rings a bell. Um and man, we would do drills where literally it would be like a recovery save kind of thing. And the guy would have the ball and hit like a half volley straight at your face. And you're just kind of coming and spreading in front of the ball. Um, and he was always like, like, so uh, like not sarcastic, but kind of like so lightheartedly being like, oh, it's just a ball. Like it won't kill you, you know, which is true in the end. Like, man, I'll, I'll put my face in front of any ball. If at the end of the game, we're winning one zero, you know, like it's it's it becomes almost common sense even though from the outside and if you're not a goalkeeper you might be like man like this guy's insane but uh yeah i think that kind of stuck with me you know like the ball is not gonna hurt like and every time it was true like you'd get one in the face and like two seconds later you're fine that's that that 
reminds me so much of it wasn't a, it wasn't a coach it was one of my goalkeeping partners in high school uh, who was he was really good he was his, he was the same age as me um but he had started on the varsity team a year ahead of me mm-hmm. and he was trying to build up my bravery and my confidence and he we we did a drill where he would literally volley them directly he tried to volley them directly at my face um <laughs> and i would have to dive forward at it with obviously and stop it with my hands um but i'll never forget it, it I'm, i can't remember if it, this is verbatim but it, it was something along the lines of occasionally you're going to get hit in the face it's going to happen uh but just remember they're not trying to hit you in the face they're trying to shoot it around you so That's don't true. think they're not trying to hit you so yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah and i took that with me i was like that's a good point they're trying to not they're trying to shoot it where i'm not right now so yeah yeah once you put that you put that in, in your mind it makes it easier too you know exactly so, I mean, and that sort of brings me to my next point, which is you know, talk to me a little bit about your, your playing career through your high school, because through the other goalkeepers that I've talked to, it can, that can really define how the rest of your playing career goes, myself included. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think Canada is a little bit different in terms of uh, how, how it works, you know, because basically it's common that you'll play for your club team and play for the, for the high school team. Um, I was I was lucky enough actually in my in my hometown there's a, a sports school, so we had a full soccer program where we'd be on the pitch two or three times a week, um, plus like two times in the gym, um, and then on top of that we had like the high school team, so I played in that, um, but that was like you know the level of the league wasn't that that great, but it was still games you know sometimes I'd even go play as an outfield player, um, you know it, it, it was fun uh, we won the city the last the last year that I played there. Um, and then on top of that, I was playing uh, club soccer. So local clubs in Ottawa. And then um, when I was 14 or 15, I moved to the uh, Quebec side. I was still living in Ottawa, but it's about a 30 minute drive. And we had a pretty good team. We were playing in like the AAA league, which is the highest league in the province. Um, and it was, it was a really good experience because I was playing a year up um, every game basically like you know every weekend and I was also playing for my own age group I'd say one week out of two so I'd get I'd often get like a game on the Saturday then a game on the Sunday so in terms of development playing these games was like incredible um so that was that was it for most of my high school career um and then when I was 16 so as I said before I went to Montreal and we were playing in the USSDA um so I played one year of U16 and then, well, half a year of U16 and then I moved up to the U18s uh, and we actually ended up, we made it to the to the DA fi- uh, semifinals two years in a row. So the first year we lost to, who was it? It was actually, it must be from your area. Um, oh, forget the name now, but anyways, they have, uh, Ebobise was playing there, the one that, is he still at Portland? Um, oh, that well, sounds about right. I, I I forget the name of the team, but that guy was a machine. He basically he he won, like he beat us by himself. Uh, he, he was <laughs> unbelievable. And then the year after that, I think we lost to Chicago Fire in the semifinals. Uh, but like it was a very good experience. And that league, I think the way it was set up and everything was was great. You know, like the level was good. Um, you'd play against many MLS academies and many good. Um, club teams as well so um yeah that that was pretty much my my career you know growing up 
at least that, yeah, my, my high school years, at least. I mean, and we, so we, we talked about it earlier and you mentioned that, you know, we, you didn't play in college in Canada or the U S you went straight to, to Montreal impact. Now, now mm-hmm. CF Montreal's uh, youth Academy. Yeah. I mean, just talk to me about that experience. I mean, you just started sort of mentioning, you know, your, the tournaments and, and the teams you played against and, and that, and that experience and jumping up to the U 18s early, but talk to me about how your development started to flourish at, you know, playing for CF Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the setup is at, at least at the time. I don't know how it is now nowadays, but um, it was it was unbelievable. Like we would train, uh, we would train every day. We had you know like physios on the pitch, um, the coaches, like goalkeeper coach uh, for our own team, basically. So I, I think development wise, that was a very very good step. And then yeah, just being in an environment where you know everyone is really trying to go pro. Um, at the time, they weren't really, they weren't really keen on letting players go to university, and it was almost like a bad look if you were speaking to university, uh, which I don't necessarily agree with. But but at the time, I was like, man, like I have to make a pro, you know, I have to, like it's it's my only way to take the next step. Um, and yeah, like as I as I said, like the level of coaching was really good. Like I had very good goalkeeper coaches, um, and then luckily. When I was there, we also had a USL team, so there was kind of that bridge between um, playing like U18 DA and you know playing in MLS is like a very very big step. But we had the USL team, um, so I actually I got to play a couple games in there uh, before before I before I moved on. Um, so no, it was a great setup, honestly, great setup. And I think you bring up an interesting point, which is a lot of people's hesitancy if they want, if they want to play soccer at an elite level is to, is the decision to play in college or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, it's one of the reasons why we're starting to see um, a lot of Europeans uh, come over and play in the college system in, in the United States. And same with uh, a lot of Canadians as well as you bring up the point where if you're not, you know, playing for a, a professional team's academy, or if you haven't signed a pro contract by the time you're 17 or 18 years old, the opportunity may be a little bit past you at that point. And mm-hmm. so they come to the States to play college soccer with, you know, D1, 2, or 3, get an education, and then maybe continue their development and then have another chance at playing professionally. Um, and I, I think it really depends, especially as a goalkeeper, because development is so important at each stage in your career uh how you know which which makes the most sense for you and clearly for you it was all right i'm gonna take you know i'm gonna take the next step at at montreal's academy and then then i get more direct development that way but for some someone else like myself where i mean i didn't play professionally after college but for me it was all right i'm gonna go and my development calls for this next step at umass lowell for instance Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i think for me personally it was it was tough because first of all, I wasn't, I wasn't so focused in school. Um, and as soon as I kind of realized that there would, you know, potentially be an opportunity to, to go pro in Montreal through whether it was USL or MLS, um, I kind of put all my eggs in the same basket. Um, but, but honestly, had there not been a USL team, I think I probably would have ended up going to college um, because that, that was just, you know, that would have been the logical next step uh, in that sense. But because we had the USL team, 
I was like, ah, you know, like you can stick around and play USL and then you have a couple professional games under your belt and it might open up more doors. Um, but as I said before, like I, I, I spoke with many, many universities, like sometimes I, I think on two occasions, it was like, uh, it was a question of like one, one phone call, whether I was going to go or not. You know, I think, um, the first one was, uh, was Cleveland actually, Cle Cleveland state. Um, and then a couple years later, even after I played USL, um, I, I was quite close to, to going to Clemson and then, you know, an opportunity uh, kind of came up and I was like, ah, you know, like I'm, I'm going to try and go pro right away. Um, but I, I think the college college route is, is a great way to, to, you know, get to that pro level. Um, the, the level is good. The, you know, you get an education. Often you don't have to pay full price for an education. Um, and also, you know, 18 is, is quite young. Like you see so many players sign an MLS contract stick around for like a year or two and then it's like man they're not at the at the mls level like they're barely at the usl level and it's like they're kind of in between you know like they're kind of stuck um but i think by going uh the college way you, you're 22 23 or whatever when you come out and you're, you're a man you know like physically you're ready mentally you're ready you have games you have experience um so no i think it, two two very different different um um, roots, if you want, but routes, but um, it, it can definitely bring you to the same outcome. And you see so many players nowadays, like man, like just on the Canadian national team, there's like half of them that are, you know, that went to to U.S. schools. So I think it's it's still it's still a great way, even though the draft may not be as hyped as it was before. I think it's still a great way to go pro. Exactly, and it. it... It just brings up a great point where if your development, if you think you're at a point in your career where your development has reached a point where, all right, I could, you know, I'm 18, I'm 19 years old. I, I can, I can take this next step and sign the contract right away. Or, you know, I, I might need a couple of years to, to put on 20, 30 pounds and, uh, and continue to, to further my mental development that way. Mm -hmm. But at this point for you, You've now played professionally in, and I believe, if my meticulous math is correct, six different countries for nine different clubs. What <laughs> is that something I'm, to be proud of? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll downplay it, but I mean, what have you noticed about the differences in the way the game is played in each country, in, including the emphasis on on how the goalkeeper is used? I mean. At this point, I feel like we're coming to an age where everything is starting to mesh into a similar style for what pro clubs are looking for mm -hmm. but i'm curious to hear what what you think based off of your experiences i think first of all there's very very big differences even within europe um and obviously north america compared to europe there's also very big differences um in scandinavia for example so i, I was in norway sweden finland um they they love north american north, north american keepers because we're we're so good at taking crosses, you know, we're brave. Like we're, we're, we're really willing to come off our line as the over there, it's, you know, maybe not as, as common for a keeper to come and, and claim, you know, a, a big cross, like a game match winning cross in the 90th minute, but we're a little bit more brave. And I think we're also raised in a, in a different way where it's like, you know, it's like kind of like the, the hustle mentality, if you want, 
uh, of North America, and I, I think they really respect that. Um, in uh, in Central Europe, so I was also in Switzerland, and over there, it's like technically, it, I, I was like when I first arrived, I was nowhere near the level, like nowhere near. I had so much work uh, to do to just you know kind of get to the bottom of that level, um, and you know now even more. It's been what six years I think since since I uh, since I first came to Europe five years and even within those five years the style of play changed so much and now it's you know you'll see so many clubs that the emphasis is basically only on playing out of the back so if you want to play out of the back you need a goalkeeper that's that was kind of brought up in that way of playing because it's not you know you can have good feed and you can have good distribution but it's it's a complete different ball game when you're trying to pick pockets all the time. It's like your your passing accuracy needs to be ninety five percent. Otherwise, every game you're gonna concede off a mistake. Um, so I think that's why we see also a shift of uh, of you know the goalkeeper is used to to be like you could be thirty two thirty three and like people would still say like yeah like you're in your prime like no problem. Nowadays I think there's a little shift where it's like you know let let let's push an 18, 19, 20-year-old that has, you know, that was brought up in, in a way uh, where we can really play from the back. Um, you still see, like, you know, I, I, I think it's still 50-50. Like, don't get me wrong. The the bottom bottom place teams, like, are probably not going to try and completely play out of the back. Some of them will park the bus. Um, and that's where, you know, a keeper with my style of play might come in handy more than a top, top team that's really looking to to build out and pick those pockets and, you know, basically get to the last third in a 3v3 instead of, you know, just getting to half and then playing 10v10 in, in the in the offensive half. Um, so, no, like very, very big differences in, in the style of play. And I think we're lucky in a way as well uh, to have been brought up in North America with, you know, as, as I mentioned, like crosses, for example, in the league that I play, it's like, there's so many, like some games I would get 20 crosses a game. Obviously, I wouldn't come out for 20 crosses, but they would cross the ball 20 times. Um, so having that kind of North American background definitely helps. Um, but obviously in Europe, I think they're still uh, ahead in, in, other, um, in other parts of the game. One being definitely like the, the distribution and how they build up is I think we're, we're a step behind. But I think we're getting there. Slowly but surely. I think we're seeing that, especially in the case of a club like Arsenal, which just so happens to be my club. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're you know you look at a keeper like Aaron Ramsdale, who's on just an otherworldly level at this point, and, yeah. ju- and just how complete he is, especially with his distribution overtaking a goalkeeper with the stature of, like, Burt Lano, who's, mm-hmm. you know, a phenomenal shot stopper in his own right. But you look at the comparisons of their feet, and Aaron Ramsdale is just... A, you know a noticeable step ahead of Lano and he's only 22 23 years old yeah I, I agree and I think you know it's it's unfortunate uh, unfortunate for Lano for example because I think he's a top top keeper of course um, but maybe he would be suited better for a team like Everton do you think he would overtake Pickford no no not no not that uh, maybe you know but but I'm saying more in the style of play. There's maybe less, they're less picky about the way they play out because they're not a club that's expected to play 
unbelievable football or soccer, you know? I agree with you. And just for the record, for the record, I think Jordan Pickford is, is wildly overrated. But that's, that's, a, that's, an, that's an entirely different podcast episode. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so it, it's actually, it brings me to my next question, sort of, you know, playing in so many different countries, one of the things that goalkeepers have to be pristine at is our communication skills. And when you go to a different country, you know, obviously they're going to be speaking different languages. What, how have you dealt with, with, you know, moving to, you know, Finland and, uh, and not speaking Finnish and having to direct a back line that's probably primarily made up of Finnish people? Mm-hmm. Uh, funny, actually, I think we had the three foreigners out of four in our back line. <laughs> um, so it, it wasn't bad, but in, in general, I think, I think English gets you very far uh, in the soccer world, you know, um, and especially these Scandinavian countries, northern countries, um, their their schooling system, like the education is so good. Like these guys were fully bilingual, bilingual. So there was really no no problem um, with that. But I I could you know imagine going to Moldova, for example. I think there might be a little bit more of a communication issue um but no i, I think and in, in at least where i played it, it wasn't much of an issue um then obviously there's you know outside the pitch you know you might not bond the same with like a finnish guy for example as you would with a north american guy you know you have more in common obviously and, and all that um so i think sometimes the outside the pitch part is kind of like the tricky trickier part um but but you manage you know and at the end of the day like you're there to do your job you're not there to become best friends with everybody you know even though it, it helps um don't get me wrong but um but no i haven't had i haven't had much trouble to be honest um uh, there's been the odd like situation where it's like they're not used to they're not used to keep her saying away actually now that i think of it i, I had to you know, they had to get used to me saying away because they, they had no idea, like, what that meant. And, like, we're brought up in a way that if you're not coming for the ball, you stay away. Um, so, I, there was a couple issues, actually, earlier on in the season where I was, like, away. And they were, like, why aren't you coming? And I was, like, I said, away. Like, it means I'm not coming <laughs> for the ball. Um, but, but yeah, you, you manage those things. And in the end, they're just small, small details in the bigger picture. That's That's completely true. And so you know, you know, just about as well as I do that goalkeepers have plenty of stereotypes. And you sort of glanced over it earlier. You know, like we're we're the crazy ones. We're lazy. We're we're separate from the team. And I'll start with the first one. I mean, do you think we're crazy? I can say for sure that I've come across some goalkeepers that should absolutely use the straight jacket. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess like as much as I hate to say it, like we are a little bit crazy. Um, I think the stereotype might be taken a little, might, be, might, might get taken a little bit too far, but uh, I have met some pretty wild goalkeepers. Um, but and I have to say, I'm slightly crazy, but I'm not that that crazy. If that makes any sense. Is that your dating app profile? <laughs> Don't have it. Slightly crazy, but not that crazy. <laughs> that that would probably make a killing, honestly. We'll we'll move past it. Um... <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty universally understood these days that throughout the soccer community that goalkeepers are not, well, com- we're not completely lazy. We, we like, I like to think I'm the laziest one out there, but 
or, or, or that were separate from the team for that matter. But what do you say to the people that ask you those questions? I think it's hard to measure our, our uh, loads, you know, because of course, if you're, if you're in the gym or you're jumping, you're, you know, doing plyos or whatever, it's not like, you don't, you're not sweating. You're not drenched in sweat. Like you're, you know, the work is, is I think quality work is better than quantity, right? Quality quantity. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I think we're working more in quality as the players might be working a little bit more in quantity. And I think that's just because we're playing a different position. Like bottom line, that's that's all it comes down to. Um, but I, I, from my own um, experiences and and you know some of the goalkeepers I've I've had the chance to meet or train with, um, I've seen some guys that it's like the work ethic is on an absolute other level. Like because every detail counts as the if you're running all around, you know, around cones and whatever, doing some sprints, it's like you're you, you're able to, you know, take a little bit of slack. But when you're a goalkeeper, it's like every single small detail counts because that small mistake or that small lack of concentration in a game will end up with the ball inside the goal. But for a striker, that lack of will or that lack of effort will end up in basically just nothing, you know, like you're – you're not going to look bad if you miss your header two meters over the goal. Like it's not, it's not going to be a big deal. Like everyone's going to forget about it, forget about it like five seconds later. Exactly. Um, like sure. That's sure. The details are important for, for a striker, but they're going to get more opportunities. I mean, mm -hmm. it's what goalkeeping is a weird position where we don't want those opportunities, but we will have to be prepared for them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you want them, you want, like once yeah. you're in the yeah, zone, you, you want to make, them. The, you want to make the cool save, but you also don't want to have to make the save exactly that's exactly it <laughs> so i mean another thing that you and i both have gone through more times than we'd like to count is having the fans you know two three yards behind you screaming ridiculous things at you for 90 plus minutes i mean i know that i know that other people want to know but what's your best strategy for drowning out or drowning that out or dealing with it i i haven't had um i mean i've, I've had a lot but in a different language that i i don't necessarily understand um but i, I think once I'm in the zone, it's just, you don't even hear it. Like you don't, you know, you're not noticing it. And like, you're focused on, on talking to your defenders. And I think, I think for anything, actually, like whether you conceded a bad goal, uh, made a bad pass, hit the ball out of bounds. As soon as you, you know, click back and you're just speaking to your defenders and it, it just automatically gets you back into the game. Um, so I have to say, I never thought about that, but, but I think, I think just always being there and communicating and kind of analyzing the play just kind of drowns out the noise uh, as it's happening. Do you have a favorite heckle that's stuck with you to this point? A favorite what, sir? Some, something that somebody's chanted at you or screamed at you. Do you have a favorite uh, favorite memory of something that somebody shouted at you from the stands? No, I think like mostly bad words like your shit <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> did you ever you have the name there they're like misspelling the name and they're like hey Falian, your your shit and i'm like oh did you see that video of, of aaron ramsdale celebrate uh, doing the chant with i think it was like lester fans or something like that no i have not actually oh it's a i'll have to send you the link it's amazing but what, they, what was it? it was off of his goal kick they do the your shit ah <laughs> okay <laughs> And he, and he chant, there's a video of him chanting it with them, and it's amazing. Oh, man, you have to send me that. That's funny. <laughs> so and that sort of poorly leads 
poorly leads me into my next question, which is what are the, the bigger mental hurdles that you go through as a goalkeeper and, and how do you best handle them? I think there's been many uh, throughout throughout my career. You know, I, I've had uh, I've had bad luck with injuries. Um, I, that's actually how I got to, to meet uh, meet um, Eric Swarovski. Um We were into came a knee injury part. Got the the same surgery done around the same time. So, um, but but yeah, and then obviously there's the you know the mistakes that happen in that happen in games and. I think I think sometimes it's 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 hard. Like you're you're struggling um, in terms of you know you're you're not enjoying life because of what's happening on the pitch. And I think what you know the area of my game that improved the most, and I'd say the last year, last two years, is like I kind of let go of that attachment of you know I'm more than just a football player. So like let me go and enjoy life as I enjoy my my soccer career, and that will make the soccer part so much better uh, because I used to kind of get into my own head like something would happen and whatever and I'd be like down for like two weeks you know um, but this year actually there was a moment uh, early on I think it was my it was my it was the second game of the season um, so we lost the first game 2-0 I had quite a decent outing had a couple couple like uh, good saves and the second game which actually happens to be against Mariham uh which, as you know, is where I'm going next. Um, I conceded three goals, and I think it was, like, something ridiculous, like two and a half minutes. Um, one was a shot, a shot from outside the box, uh, first post. You know, uh, look, look, obviously, uh, looking back at it, I, you know, I know I can do better. Um, then there was a mis- miscommunication with my, one of my defenders, uh, kind of fumbled the ball, they tap it in, and then, another goal uh, like a minute later and I got taken out at, at half time, which is like basically unheard of um, in the footballing world. And I think I, str- I struggled with that for a couple of days. And then I was like, you know what? Like there's, there's nothing I can do. I was like, at that point, I was like, man, like my season might be over. Like I may not even get another shot. Um, so yeah, I just, I was like, you know, I made the, the decision. I was like, let me just, Go out, like I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy my coffee in the morning. Like, go, go see friends in the afternoon, and like that'll make me feel better, and that'll also take my my head off of the football. And I think after that, when I got my chance again, um, I ended up like never leaving the goal basically, and and it was kind of, uh, you know, I kept that mentality the whole the whole year, and I was like, you know, football is just one thing. Like, there's so much more to life, and I think that brought my footballing. Um, just a step a step higher than it was before it's such an another reason why it's an interesting position is you know that issue of letting things go and doesn't just come out from games it comes out of training as well Mm because I mean you and I can both speak from extreme experience that if you have a bad training it's just one of those training sessions where everything is going in no matter how either the forwards are on another level or we're just playing like absolute garbage yeah. Uh, and it's just going through our hands it's slipping through our feet. You know, we're making, we're not making, we're not completing our passes. It's one of those things where short, you can, you can be pissed on the field, but the second you step off of the pitch, you have to let it go and move on to the next thing. And do, you're exactly right. Do whatever you can to get yourself in a right mental state because going, you know, going into the next match, going into the next game, that's where your head's going to be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think acceptance is such a big part of our position. Like, 
we need to accept that things are going to happen and not necessarily the way we want them to happen. Um, but once, once you kind of learn to accept that, you know, things are not always going to go the way you want them to go, I think it becomes a little bit easier to deal with whatever gets thrown at you. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, once again, I think that comes down to, to your, I forget the word, but like your life, your, your life in general, like the bigger picture, you know, that's, that's what matters. If, if your bigger picture looks good, your footballing will probably look good, or at least you'll be happy with it. Um, but if all you see is like, like a, like tunnel vision, like only football, I think you're just going to drive yourself mad. Exactly. And, and sort of that leads me to my next question, which is what would you say is a message that you would want to tell the younger generation of goalkeepers out there who are looking to grow and find their identity as a goalkeeper? Because we both know every goalkeeper has a different identity and how they like to play. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the most important thing is make sure you enjoy what you're doing. Um, like I, I love to, and I, I got this from one of my, my good friends. Yeah. He plays in Sweden actually. Um, and he was telling me, man, like every time I warm up before a game, like I just make sure I have a smile on my face. And at the end of the day, like you want to be happy doing what you're doing, you know, you don't want it to be a burden. So I think if you take everything with the, with the right attitude, you're positive, you smile, and sometimes you have to force it, but trust me, it'll make you feel better, you know? Um, so I, I'd say just just try and be as happy as you can with whatever's happening. I think that's that's the key to having a successful career and making it to, to the high, highest level you can. Lastly, and you mentioned it earlier, you just signed a new contract for next season to play at IFK Marienham in Finland. Mm -hmm. What excites you most about this new club and, and playing in their first year in the Finnish League? Um, many things, actually. Um, so it's a Swedish speaking area of Finland. It's, it's an island. Um, there, I think the style of play really suits me. Um, at least from the past years. Um, and overall, it's just like, it's, it's a club that's been in the league for, I think now 17 years. Uh, so they're an established club. Uh, the club that I was at last year, it was our first season in the first year. Um, and then I think just the opportunities that can come with this move are, are endless. Uh, basically, there's been a lot of keepers moving on from there. And, you know, I want to take it day by day. And like just this is like a great step. Um, and honestly, I'm excited. Like I'm excited to play for them. And uh, actually, last year we had a friendly game there. Um, not this past year, but the year before. And I was like, man, like this place looks so peaceful. It's an island. Like there's like 20,000 people on the whole island. Um, the nature is beautiful. So I think like just taking it easy and like, I think I'm, I'm just going to have the time to enjoy life. Like it's so slow paced and, and all that. So I'm just looking forward to the whole, whole opportunity, if I'm honest. I'm excited for you. Uh, I and I really want to thank you again for, for coming on today and, and wish you the best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Of course. Guys, this has been yet another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. Thank you very much again to Yan Filion for coming on. I have been your host, Carter Hawkman. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just for Keeps. 